the Pro Wrestling Stories Podcast. Welcome to the Pro Wrestling Stories Podcast, where we transport you to nostalgic moments of wrestling's past. You can listen to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, YouTube, wherever you get them. And also follow Pro Wrestling Stories on Facebook, at Pro Wrestling Stories, and on Twitter, at PWS underscore official, plus Corey, if you want to add a t-shirt to your collection, I know you do, stop do. by PWSTs.com. You can use the promo code PODCAST. That's it, PODCAST. Dramatic pause for 10% off your order. How about that? I buy one every week after you <laughs> remind me. The fun just keeps on going. If you leave us a five-star review, at least we hope you do, you could be Minimum. entered to win a t-shirt at pwsts.com. I'm Chris Toplack. He's Corey Rivard with Dark Side of the Ring, exploring some of the seedier and horrific moments and performers in the history of professional wrestling. Ludwig Borga, a.k.a. Tony Hom, could easily make the list a deplorable human being. Corey, what do you remember, if anything at all, about Ludwig Borga? I remember a lot about him. I, I remember buying everything he was selling. I thought he was uh, the real deal. Uh, I, I was a fan of his as a heel. I liked what he was doing. I, I, I thought he might just be this little uh, footnote, this little trivia question who ended Tatanka's streak. I thought that was all there was to him. Mm-hmm. But uh, then years later, I read this article and uh, I learned a lot. Oh, there's so much more. Yes, there is. I barely remember him, by the way. I did see him in the ring. Of course, Mm -hmm. even at the time, he had the impressive physique. Yes, he did end the streak of Tatanka, but that was basically it for me. Never followed his career really post-WWF until I saw him pop up in the UFC. We will talk about that later on. I've watched that fight against a very young even though he was like 35, 36 at the time, Randy Couture. So we'll dive into that. But yeah, I mean, I thought that he would also be a footnote, that we would never talk about him on the program. Apparently there's a lot more to him than just being a Finnish heel. Ooh, there is. So Tony Hom, and I'm going to call him that because it could be pronounced Halmi Hom. I'm going Halamay. Okay, I'm going to go Halamay. Halamay. in the MMA. Tony Hom. I'm going to call him that. You can both agree on Tony, though. Sure, Tony's fine. Tony. I'll say Tony. You know, I got to be honest, too. I really don't care if I pronounce or pronounce (laughs) his last name correctly. AKA Borga is an individual that is connected to so many outrageous stories that you would feel you're literally reading a fiction novel. He was openly racist and homophobic and even sported a Nazi tattoo. Yet despite being an overtly bigoted man with deplorable views, he kept surfacing in public worlds of celebrity. He was a pro wrestler, a boxer, a UFC fighter, actor, writer, musician. That's bizarre. And then, of course, (laughs) this is why you can't always trust the government. He was elected to parliament in Finland as well, too. And even beyond that, before he was even a year into his political term, he overdosed on amphetamines and alcohol shot an illegal firearm in his apartment during an argument with his wife, and also went into a three-week coma where he possibly suffered brain damage. 
And that's all the time we have for you today, folks. Uh, that's everything. As unbelievable as all of that seems, essentially a Twilight Zone episode, an episode of Black Mirror, it's all completely true. This is Ludwig Borga, The Surreal Shocking Life of Tony Hom, or Halame, author Stosh Jonjak. Hopefully I pronounced that correct. Either way, having a day with David today. <laughs> he he put a lot of work and effort into this. Must commend him for it. And yeah, editor J.P. Zarka. Any uh, research you do, a lot of it is in, is in Finnish. So, uh, thanks for translating this for us and getting uh, all this information to us. Google Translate Stosh. for the win. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. All right, Tony Salami or whatever the wrestler <laughs> known as Ludwig Borga. What do we remember from the brief time Tony graced WWF rings? Christened Ludwig Borga, Holame played a Finnish anti-American heel that terrorized a talent-deficient WWF roster back in 93. I take slight offense to that. I do too. Fine, sure. Um, cutting spiteful promos decrying the decrepit state of Americans' urban centers, Ludwig Borga was a foil to patriotism. Naturally, he feuded with super patriot Lex Luger and proud Native American Tatanka even ending the latter's unbeaten streak. But a shocking revelation proved Halame wasn't merely just playing an evil foreigner. He was indeed living the gimmick to a grotesque degree. Ugh. Halame was wearing boots. Oh, I got to do a JR here, don't I? <laughs> Halame, I can't, I can't. We'll leave the impressions to you. <laughs> Halame was wearing boots that were low cut and he had a very diminutive SS tattoo, Jim Ross recalled on his podcast, Grilling JR. It wasn't huge, but it was there. It was very uncomfortable, and he was uncomfortable and untalented, but he had a million-dollar look. He looked like a Ferrari with a four-cylinder motor. When he left, nobody shed any tears. Notably, being a real-life neo-Nazi wasn't enough for Halame to get immediately fired from the WWF. Rather, the promotion would cover the tattoo with tape and had Ludwig Borga wear larger boots. After working less than a year, Halame would leave the WWF due to, as the Wrestling Observer Newsletter reports a severely broken ankle. Yeah, I want to see that. So I have several questions here. How is being a real-life neo-Nazi not enough to be immediately fired and blackballed from the industry? That's question one. Question two, I'm almost certain the policy has changed, but as a company, now a publicly traded company, wouldn't WWE, WWF back in the day want to do their proper due diligence related to, say, inappropriate tattoos i mean they're on television right i mean when has being a racist bastard ever stopped the wwf from hiring people that's he's not the first he's not the last i'm sure there's, there's a lengthy history there um and you know social media was around at the time to call people out so if they're not being called out they're gonna keep doing it there's money to be made but imagine and, sitting uh, front row, though. I'm sitting front row. Let's yeah. say I'm there with my son. And it's like, ah, oh, yeah. yeah, here's this Ludwig Borg. What the hell is that? <laughs> the big boots, though. He's got big boots. No one's going to see it. I love that that's how you cover that's... it up. Hey, just put some tape there. Bigger boots. Yeah. He's fine. Even though imagine yeah. being uncomfortable in the locker room if you're with him. Just a Nazi from the ankle down. It's oh, fine. Man, this is ridiculous. Um, and as, as as far as tattoo reform, you think they have they have tattoo reform in the WWF? Like, what if you have like a big tattoo of boobs or something? <laughs> is that allowed? I've never seen that in wrestling. I would imagine it's not, not. It's not an uncommon. It's not an uncommon tattoo. Well, an interesting one though too would be CM Punk. Remember, he had the Pepsi tattoo or the Pepsi logo, right? Right. So at Odd the same choice. time, you'd yeah. think. 
Well, I don't know if we can actually put that on action figures or in a video game. We don't want to have to pay royalties to Pepsi Cola. (laughs) Yeah, although it's free advertising for Pepsi. True. I I would be trying to milk that if I was CM Punk to say, listen, free Diet Pepsi for the rest of my career. I'll even slip your name into every promo at some point. Exactly. Just a Pepsi-loving wrestler. I'm going to beat you over the head like the Pepsi Taste Test Challenge over Coca-Cola. Oh, yeah, you did. Pepsi Taste Test Challenge. That's how old we are, everybody. Oh, boy. Yeah, going to a local mall near you, even though half the time I thought, is this even Coke or is it... RC Cola. I think you're trying to throw us off here. That's the best of the three, I think, RC Cola. There's a little bite to that one. So the beginning, early in his career, Tony had already amassed a litany of injuries that, as he said, fortified a growing drug dependency. So by the way, this is going to be part of the narrative for today. I didn't survive (laughs) those gigs without painkillers, he said. In the morning, I would take a jar of ephedrine in order to wake up. Then he took ephedrine again. And spoiler, he took it again and again and again just to be able to drive or to sleep. As we know, pro wrestling is always the devil's bargain, a pound of flesh for the bright lights of fame. So, of course, that's what he chose here. His career was precisely that exchange. It was the injuries and the drugs. They were the prices that he had to pay for pro wrestling to pluck him out of obscurity so basically he was transplanted to la he arrived there in the 1980s it was with the american dream in mind as of course many have had as they make it to america he perceived jobs are always for as he described quote for big and ugly man (laughs) what so he dedicated himself to becoming guess what a big and ugly Man, so he became a fixture. Got to commend him on that. He did pull that off. Yeah, he definitely did. Twofold. Becoming a fixture at the famed Venice Beach Gold's Gym. As you can imagine, he began cycling on anabolic steroids and growth hormone to enhance his 6'3 frame. He grew up to about 310 pounds. And much like many bodybuilders in the past, and even now, his body became a glorified science experiment. Don't want to put that in your body, obviously. (laughs) Not today. No, uh, that's what drug testing's for. But the world of celebrity loomed closer for Tony. He began to pay his bills, serving as a bodyguard for famous musical acts such as Cheap Trick and Gene Simmons of Kiss. Also a dick. uh, Yes, but by the way, he's also Jewish. So oh, right. I, right. I was thinking about that when I was reading this article oh. and I thought, did that ever come up in conversation? Or Gene was like, tell me about this tattoo. I've got some problems. <laughs> He's been wearing those large boots for a long time. Perhaps. And then, and I hate bringing up this promotion. If you've seen me live tweet during Dark Side of the Ring, I rip apart this promotion pretty badly. <laughs> but it was the infamous cocaine and hooker aficionado. Herb Abrams, of course, he was covered on Dark Side of the Ring, promoter of the UWF. It was horrendous, unwatchable, who spotted Tony and introduced him to the pro wrestling rings. And he was packaged as the Viking. It was every bit as bad as it sounds, by the way. And he had his first pro wrestling matches in sunny California in the fall of 1990. Though his work was stiff and unwatchable, yes, very true, his brute size was perfect. For what audiences wanted at the time, not us. I disagree with that. I like a little substance, <laughs> not just a body there. Yeah, that's fair. I'm not I'm not watching for the bodies. Well, here we are. 
Back in 1993, we would be rooting on, say, Bret Hart, Shawn Michaels, people with legitimate talent, Randy Savage. But I feel as though with this new generation, they wanted substance. They wanted skill. They wanted storytelling. I think they always wanted substance and skill. I think the, I think the body thing was like the higher ups reading too much into things yeah. like, since the beginning of time. Like, well, well, it's true. People wanted the story and, you know, not trapoids or whatever. <laughs> All due respect to, say, Chris Masters. Not that he was untalented. Yeah, lots but, of respect. Yeah, but they made him the masterpiece. And basically, they just wanted him to be a body. And he fizzled out, too. Right, exactly. That It never goes that far if you're just basing it on that. Total package, Lex Luger. So you would think that as the Viking, he wouldn't have much of a career. But it goes further. Because even before landing in the WWF, he would actually sign with New Japan Pro Wrestling. Not the New Japan we see nowadays. But back in the day, it was a little bit different. It was still legitimate, though. So he would spend two and a half years in the promotion, which is a long time. I tend to forget how long he actually spent there. And that was really where he experienced his first major push. He ascended up the card by teaming with Scott Norton. We'll talk about him at some point. He is legitimately tough, and he had a great career over in New Japan. They actually became the IWGP Tag Team Champions, as a matter of fact, too. Not so bad, huh? Not so bad. Not see, There's a feather in his cap. I guess so. But then, of course, it, it crashes like a ship here because Tony was undoubtedly his own worst enemy and his aggressive personality introduced obvious barriers. We're going to see more of that later on. As the Wrestling Observer Newsletter reported on November 7th, 2011, again, this was just in hindsight, just in reflection, that his push ended when he sucker punched and brutalized Norton in a very real street fight, knocking Norton unconscious, which, by the way, I would not want to piss off Scott Norton, by the way. Just ridiculous. These these both sound like a couple dudes that you're not wanting to mess with. No, especially Scott yeah. Norton. If you hear about his reputation, <laughs> he's a nice guy. He's a loyal guy, but he is every bit believable as he seems. Right, right, right. So in New Japan, anticipating the beginning of a violent real-life feud, he was essentially punished by having to job out more and more and more, which, of course, means yeah, it's not boding well for your future. Disappointed mm -hmm. with his turn in his career, and justifiably so, he left the promotion in June of 1993 to go on to his short-lived run with the WWF. Now, already, he sounds like a bit of an out-of-control animal that cannot be tamed. Not the first time that they've let uh, wrestlers run court there. They, they don't always seem to care. No. If someone's a dick, not the first asshole they ever hired. <laughs> you also have to wonder, did they hire him just simply based on his physique and purposely ignored his attitude and work rate? Because both were not there whatsoever. I don't know. I, I, as again, again, I say I believed him as a bad guy like really strongly i'm not sure what angle they were trying to go with with uh finland being this like <laughs> terror terrifying threat to america finland will take down <laughs> america just you wait there's they not, will yeah, rise from the ashes history. like a phoenix yeah it's bizarre yeah not a big history of that but uh beautiful country by the way but he's believably hateable right like you so I, I, I always bought him. As, you barely remember me say, so I guess that didn't translate to everybody. No, not, not to me. Like, I, of course, I'm familiar with the name. A friend of mine had his action figure, and I watched a few matches of him. Is there an SS him. tattoo on there? No. <laughs> if they left that on, 
Imagine that. Like, what is really this? Realism. How could you yeah. do this? <laughs> yeah. No, they did it not. Stood for Sharon Stone. It was 1993. I remember very little about him, which is rare in this case because, as you know, when it comes to these episodes, when it comes to these figures, <laughs> I tend to be pretty <laughs> engulfed in this. I figured you probably watched his DVD nine times, and uh, yeah, all six oh. minutes of his DVD. <laughs> All right. Well, Ludwig Borg, we're already at life after the WWF. So that's that was his whole spot in the WWF. Uh, though awash in injuries and addicted to pills, Holloway's professional wrestling career established his celebrity in his home country of Finland, which we love. We love Finland, don't we, Chris? They're great. And actually, they are very loyal listeners to this very podcast. Absolutely. Uh, back home, he landed a spot on the Finnish version of American Gladiators, performing as Vikinki, which translates to the Viking from 93 to 95. I think he should have been called Vikinki in WWF, oh, personally. God. Or had like a valet. How could you take him seriously? Vikinki. I am Vikinki, and I will bring down America, you'd say. Missed opportunity. Yeah. He would even dabble in acting, appearing in Die Hard with a Vengeance. <laughs> Those days in the United States were officially over. Fist giveth and fist taketh away. I looked for a scene. I didn't watch the whole movie, but I did try to find a scene with him in it. I did not find one. Hmm. Uh, yeah, no, oh well. Uh, not through with pro wrestling. Halame joined Europe's Catch Wrestling Association in 95. Halame even continued using the Ludwig Borga gimmick. But as per his pattern, Halame's run would end dubiously. Was he even allowed to use that, by the way? I'm sure was that was trademarked that. by WWF. They probably never caught wind of it because otherwise they would have sent the lawyers after him and said, Ludwig, huh? Okay, yeah, sure. Exactly. For the right price. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. I think he used that name even through like just like referencing it in politics and everything. I, I don't think he ever let that go too far from him. I Which is really weird. I am Ludwig Borga. Who? Who? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, the Finnish newspaper City City reported Halame's career in wrestling ended when he was charged with drug importations, sales and manufacturing. In his own words, this was completely unfounded. It was not until February 97, when Halame had already begun his career as a boxer, that all charges were dropped. Concurrently, he pursued professional boxing, becoming a two-time Finnish heavyweight champion. Considering Halame was an established celebrity in Finland with presumed drawing power, the legitimacy of these fights is questionable. Mm -hmm. His lone appearance in the UFC was unquestionably a debacle. Yeah, Did you watch was. any of the boxing? No, I have not watched the boxing, but it doesn't surprise yeah. me. Let me put it to you that way. Exactly. Especially, it sounds like he's got connections and politics probably already at this point. He's, you know, he's he's probably looking to look good. They love him over there. Why fighting make him a boxing fighting glorified tomato cans, as they say, which is basically jobbers who are willing to do the job for a small sum of money. Glorified tomato cans. Nice. Yeah. We need to rename the, the podcast that. Glorified tomato cans with Chris Toplack and Corey Rivard. Yeah, we need a t-shirt. Glorified tomato cans. When I go to the octagon, I go there to kill or be killed. Holomay immortally stated before his fight at UFC 13. His opponent, another curious historical footnote, was a debuting Randy Couture. Mm. At first, I'll try to hit him as hard as I can. If I miss at that point, I'll try to headbutt him. If I miss at that point, I'll rip his arms off and rip his legs off. I got balls of iron, and I go there to rip his head off or die trying. Adorable, isn't he? Yeah, so, such really a sweet, kind-spirited man. 
Yeah, yeah, he means well, that's for sure. Jeez. According to Couture's uh, book, Becoming the Natural, My Life in and Out of the Cage, while watching the pay-per-view with family, Couture's mother found Holomay's words so disturbing, she began to sob uncontrollably. Even more extreme, Holomay's interview with, caused uh, Couture's wife to vomit in a trash can. Nice. That's a... Uh, Quite that's the scene, huh? Yeah, and they, he's so kind to him after he actually shakes his hand after... He probably felt pretty upset that he was making his loved ones vomit and cry. True. Especially to Captain America as he became Mr. Randy Couture as well. Yeah. And he left arms intact and legs intact, so all was well. And plus he lost in about a minute. So watching this fight, I could tell you actually where I was because the first time I saw it was about 2004. I got into the UFC heavily in about 2003, 2004, and I continued on for many years and I recall watching this fight, and again, it took place many years prior, but Tony certainly looked the part, but Randy Couture wow. was legitimate. Like He was a true grappler. He was an NCAA collegiate wrestler. He won medals at the Pan American Games. This was actually Randy's first MMA fight, which is hard to believe, but it was a very easy victory for him. He took back mount, locked in a very tight rear naked choke, a very textbook victory. So you could tell... Yes, Tony looked the part, but he just did not have that skill set. Yeah, and it's very satisfying after all the things we've uh, we've heard about his past and his character to yeah. watch him lose in such a rapid and painful manner. Uh, you know, a wrestler with no actual discernible skill set uh, walking to the ring with a guy who's a skilled grappler. You know what's coming, and it's just it's very satisfying to watch him get uh, destroyed. Very much so. And of course, as we know, the controversy continues. He wrote a biography in 1998. By the way, it's not even though he accomplished all that much, really, when you think about it. And it's 1998, and he's saying, here's my biography. Here's my (laughs) career. It's like, okay, so you dabbled in wrestling. You dabbled in boxing, which many suspect was fixed. You were in, I guess what, the Finnish American Gladiators that's it so far. You didn't really do much else. But I'm picking up, and I don't know if I'm reading it all correctly, but he just seems really, really loved, like celebrated in his country. Like, I, I guess so. So it, he's just a big deal. It's like Paris Hilton writing a biography here, you know? And here's the weirdest part. So he has the biography in 1998 called God Forgives, I Do Not. And then a 2001 <laughs> follow-up, The Day of Judgment. And this is, where he would, this is where he announces his homophobia and racism to the world. So in 2020, when you're calling people out on it, and justifiably so, and you're mm. saying, hey, this person's homophobic or they're racist, mm. in this case, he's the one saying, I am openly announcing it. Like, how perplexing is this? Yeah, you've got full control over what you write in this book. You're going to make sure everyone knows this. You're going to uh, hide it at all. I'm never going to read the books. Even for research purposes, no. so it's bizarre. But just a reminder that Tony is an absolute piece of garbage. Both examples yeah. there, and yeah. not only that, Corey. Disappointingly, he would actually go on to pen three more books. I can't believe this. And and you're right, Five. his popularity was pretty high among certain circles in Finland. He would land more acting roles. It would also begin. Guess what? A musical career. That's right. His single, The Vinkinki, which translates to Viking, you can't make this up, went gold in Finland 
meaning it sold more than 5,000 copies, a lot different than going gold in America. But Vinkinki mm. would even reach number two status on the singles charts in 1999. One of the lyrics of Vinkinki proudly proclaims his homophobia, saying, Exit only is tattooed onto my arse. And then mm. news media would report, indeed, he had tattooed exit only on his buttocks so bizarre yeah i actually uh watched the music video for this right before we started recording got a lot of questions for the uh the finnish music scene um have have you heard it no no it's just him in a wrestling ring this is roughly (laughs) chanting things i I think you're taken aback too because Every time we discuss a topic on the show or a wrestler, uh-huh. you're like, Chris is like the encyclopedia. But with this guy, you're like, you haven't even bothered. And it's like, I, well, it I can't, like I can't immerse right myself. Guy. Yes, I can't you've immerse myself right into him. Avoid. It's just like yeah. such an intolerant asshole. I really don't want to spend my time with him. But what is the most bizarre to me is the fact that he's been giving all of these opportunities time after time after time. And as you noted, his popularity continues to rise. Yeah, being a dick is not enough to be excommunicated from success. Unfortunately. No, so, so we go through all of that. We go through the wrestling, the boxing, the MMA, the music, the acting, and now, of course, politics. Naturally so. That's always the last no. stop, ain't it? <laughs> yeah, I think so. I think For he just wants the pension. Dick. Yeah, exactly. But uh, one more. Just make sure, anyone who's listening, you go look up the kinky. On uh, YouTube, oh, you won't be sorry. Goodness. Well, you'll be sorry, but you'll have one minute of full glory <laughs> and then uh, about three of uh, vomiting. I'm not subjecting myself to four minutes of that nonsense. I just can't Come do on. it. Come on. Maybe. All right. Like I'll a YouTube live video of just my reaction of like me vomiting in, in my mouth. <laughs> yeah. Ripping your own limbs off. All right. Politics and a plunge into darkness for Tony Holloway. Tony Holloway lassoed this horrible momentum and propelled his career towards a new arena, politics. Mm. Holloway's celebrity and unapologetic views would attract him to the far-right True Finns party. Uh, okay. Under this party's banner, Holloway was elected to Finland's parliament in March of 2003. He captured 16,390 Holy votes shit. in the Helsinki constituency, a number Finnish media would describe as staggering. That's a lot of votes. Uh, he, it's a landslide. I mean, for a country that size, that's actually fairly sizable, unfortunately. Exactly. This bastard can't fail. It's odd. No. The day after his victory, he said in a radio interview, here we go, if a lesbian can be elected president, then why can't I be elected to parliament? After immediate media backlash, Holomay responded by saying he truly thought Finnish president Tarha Holonen Despite being married to first gentleman of Finland, Penti Rajarvi, <laughs> something. We're having a time here. Today. I like your uh, was a, Yeah, thank you. Uh, thought the Finnish president was a lesbian. So he didn't mean his comment as an insult. And uh, he goes on to explain, yeah. I got brain damage from cirrhosis of the liver. <laughs> I like how it just jumps to that. Oh, Excuse yeah. me. I have a selective memory because I have yeah. brain damage. I'm going to use that for the rest of my life. Sorry about that. I had cirrhosis a couple years ago. Mail the letter, Corey. Mail the letter. I had brain damage from cirrhosis (laughs) of the liver. Exactly. Exactly. Do forgive me. 
Four months after being elected to Parliament, Holloway's life appeared ideal. He was enjoying political success, continued fame, and even contemplated a run for president. Sweet Jesus. <laughs> Precisely. But the summer of 2003 would begin Holloway's inescapable plunge into darkness. That's when it starts? Yeah. I feel like he was plunging into darkness as soon as he exited the womb. <laughs> it all began on the night of Thursday, July 3rd, 2003. When Halame combined heavy drinking with taking massive quantities of amphetamines, hmm. he was suspected by onlookers of driving drunk to his apartment in Helsinki. When he arrived home, he and his wife Katya began an argument that would last into the early morning. At 7 a.m. on July 4th, apartment residents heard the sound of a pistol firing in the Halame's apartment. Police would later confirm Tony had pulled the trigger. Thankfully, no one was hit by the bullet. After the gunshot, the argument between Tony and Katya escalated, prom prompting the police to surround the couple's apartment. Eventually, an ambulance would arrive at 10 a.m. and haul Tony away to a hospital. While hospitalized, Holomay slipped into a coma that would last three weeks. Holomay's election manager, Vico Vallon, would speculate the lack of oxygen from the amphetamine and alcohol overdose caused permanent brain damage in Holomay. Vallon said Holomay was never the same afterward. Probably a blessing. Oh, my God. So if you're keeping track at home, uh, neo-Nazi, racist, homophobic, a domestic abuser, fuck this guy. The, the I blame the Sorosa. This entire story feels like a, a macabre novel of a man consumed by hatred and intolerance and, and further fueled by his demons known as addiction. Uh, certainly, he cannot stay away from the pills and the alcohol. And as somebody who is apparently in parliament... You'd think that that is a cardinal sin, right? You would. It all, it all plays out like a like a movie. But even Scarface had redeemable qualities. I can't find any here. No. I mean, at least in Scarface, you don't want him to die in the end. Come on! Exactly. Come on! Exactly. Take my down! Like, at least yeah. there you think, oh, man, why did, why did he have to die? Tony, just hold on. And then you have this Tony who's just a piece of fucking shit. It doesn't... It, I can't seem to find a rock that is unturned here that might have some sweet other side to him uh so far only bad only bad so unsurprisingly spoiler the story continues to take a darker no, turn false that it's that is surprising how does it get darker <laughs> so the surprise the police investigated the incident finding an unmarked military pistol that's an ultimate no-no ammunition in thousands of pills of drugs including anabolic steroids in his apartment, this is according to the Associated Press, very reputable, uh, by the way. And just a few of the charges, he had six crimes, including drunk driving, the illegal possession of imported drugs, amphetamine usage, owning an unlicensed pistol. All but the drunk driving charge would stick. And then he faced a four-month prison sentence. And Parliament discussed ousting him. But opted not to. You want to know why, Corey? Because it's a lengthy process. That's why. It's going to take too long. It's too annoying. You know what? Just leave them in. Are you kidding Politics, me? Politics. Da, 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 da. They're the same everywhere, it sounds like. God. So yeah. for a politician who's messaging focused on strengthening law and order and demanding tighter control on drugs, he appeared to be a hypocrite. And he was. Because he's the one with thousands of pills that he's storing away. Shocker. Yeah. Didn't see that one coming. Now, here's where it gets weirder. So, strangely, despite his four month prison sentence, he was still elected to Helsinki Council 
in the fall of 2004. And then Mm -hmm. beyond that, his wife, she gets granted a divorce in 2005. Good on her for getting out. She would later write a tell-all biography. And this time it detailed basically everything and also how Tony threatened her with an axe. With what? With an axe. With an axe. Yes. With an axe. The story continues. Just up in the ante here. Just up in the ante here continuously. An axe. Uh, There's another one too. When not in prison, he fueled further controversy by beating up a guy at a hamburger stand. Charges Mm. were not filed, by the way. In drawing a parliamentary reprimand by declaring during a parliamentary speech, every single pedophile should get their nuts cut off, get punched in the ass with a pin, and thrown into a dungeon for the rest of their life. Maybe the there only thing I quasi agree with. Yeah, the redeemable quality. There it is. That's about it. One sentence. Everything else is bullshit, though. February 2006. He's back again. Did you miss me? Would face a new charge of drunk driving. He was admitted into a psychiatric ward in order to seek treatment for his addictions, those demons taking over, and he would remain in treatment for three months. Sounds like he needs three years at this point. And after his treatment ended, he would get convicted for earlier drunk driving episode and sentenced to 80 days in prison. Ah. And then in court, he proclaimed that he had neurological problems. He just has all the excuses in the world, by the way, doesn't he? Stemming from his 2003 (laughs) incident. He's like, listen, I have neurological problems. I have brain damage. It's like, you're you're throwing a lot of curveballs out there. And he said he would commonly seemed drunk and he had uh, obscured speech, but it's because of the brain damage, basically, is what he's saying. Of course, of course. Which is such bullshit. And at the end of 2006, he would officially declare that he would not seek re-election to parliament. In 2007, he would be granted a disability pension. Come on, really? (laughs) Which, of course, rightfully so caused bad blood between him and and the other members of parliament because he's not there anymore. How is he granted disability pension? It's like, we're going to take care of you even though you desmirched our name. <laughs> well, but it has a lot in common with uh, American politics. So God. So uh, following this, <laughs> following this, he would resign from Helsinki council due to illness as well. And his political career was officially over now collecting a nice pension check He had all the free time in the world, so how does he spend it, Corey? Falling over in a sauna and needing 20 stitches in the nose, falling over again and crushing his face in Thailand and also dating an erotic dancer. She rose to prominence in Finland via a sexting scandal with Finland's foreign minister, and she actually sold her screenshots of the sexting to a Finnish magazine. So I, I looked her up. She's quite a piece of work. Oh, we have there's a lot some, of less public pu- public urination involved there. Oh, Jesus. Finland, like you're growing in interest to me. This is an interesting nation. Oh, a lot of less than desirable characters we're noting in this story. But not not our listeners. No. Our Finnish listeners are the best of the best. Oh, jeez. I mean, y- you got to make up for it somehow. <laughs> These are just the worst wines. True. I I, I hope that this is just a very small fraction of what the country represents. I'm optimistic and I believe so. But in this case, I would just say, get out of here. We don't want you associated with our fine country. Your piece is a garbage. I kind of wish I knew about all this when it was happening. So it would have just been like, tune in next week, you know, just checking in on Ludwig Borga for the last 20 years. 
see what he's doing next. Oh, if if he was around during the days of social media, God, I would love the backlash and deservingly oh, yeah. so, obviously. Yeah. All right, and here we are, the death of wrestling's Ludwig Borga. Oh, God. In October of 2009, Holloman was again charged with drunk driving. He was drug tested, and the results came back positive for cocaine and amphetamines. The police searched his house and found an illegal Luger. Not his first time running in with a Luger. <laughs> da, 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 da. Had a little feud with Lex Luger at one point. Didn't last that uh, long. No. Uh, found an illegal Luger pistol along with 100 uh, 9mm rounds of ammunition. When there are no good things to remember, it's better to let all the shit be. Tony Holloway. That's his prolific good. quote? Are you kidding me? That's, that's what you'll be remembered by. It's on his tombstone. Oh. God. After this latest charge, Halame's tell-all interview with Finnish magazine Haimai? Sure. Uh, was published. In it, he detailed his brain damage, of course he did, yeah. and stated he had trouble speaking and walking and even needed sticky notes to help him remember to do household chores. Karma. <laughs> yeah. Tony Halame's last interview. He says, alcohol makes me feel good. Halame would opine, despite his suffering from liver cirrhosis, <laughs> Drugs, on the other hand, momentarily help with depression, which is why they are so dangerous. Yeah. Yeah. Palome would never make it to court for this latest charge. On January 8th, 2010, Tony Halame raised a gun to his temple, squeezed the trigger, and ended one of the most unusual lives ever associated with the squared circle. Two days would pass before his body was discovered. Upon hearing the news, Halame's ex-wife Katya wondered if something was wrong with her when she didn't mourn. Not at all. I don't think so. Did anyone mourn? I wonder. Nope. Though it's human nature to feel uneasy about passing judgment upon the dead, the story of Halame's extreme life invites moral scrutiny from us all. And in reading the closing words to Halame's book, Judgment Day, Halame clearly understood what his brazenness invited. For me, the circle is closed. I've come home, and here I will stay. I'm willing to put everything in the game. Every day is a day of judgment. When the gong rings for the last time, it is futile to request a revision. That's odd. Yeah. Wow. I'm happy you don't have to read those books. No kidding. So what we just heard was undoubtedly one of the most bizarre character profiles of an openly <laughs> despicable man who, despite all the controversy associated with his life, still managed to latch on to fame as if he were a moth to a flame. Indeed. My God, such a weird way. He's like a Forrest Gump of like, like a bad Forrest Gump. Yeah, he's like the complete opposite. He finds himself in all these situations. So yeah, and then I just, uh, and I <laughs> sold shrimp. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So this is one of those ones where, you know, typically you hear our voice and it's Brian Pillman or Rick Rude and we get to the part where they pass away you know, it's strained. We feel horrible. I still haven't gotten over a lot of these deaths in wrestling. This one, I feel chipper. I feel perfectly fine. Yeah, catching everybody. <laughs> this concludes yet another episode of the Pro Wrestling Stories podcast. Next week, we'll get to a hero. Uh, enough of these deplorable assholes. Uh, I kind of like bashing people. Yeah, that's sure. also true, too. Who else do you want to bash? Anybody else on your list? I'm going to always have sure. a Wrestler's Core Part 2, maybe. Yeah, sure. 
Lot, there's lots to bash out there. We'll get back to some. I don't think we'll beat Nazi tattoo at all. No, I don't think so. Still some bad. The bar's been raised. I was going to say, I sincerely hope you join us for future episodes where we dive deep into the archives to bring you more of these articles to life in audio form. Listen and subscribe to future episodes on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, you name it. And follow Pro Wrestling Stories on Facebook at Pro Wrestling Stories. Plenty of great articles and photos on there and on Twitter at PWS underscore official. Stop by PWSTs, that is T-E-E-S dot com. And an exclusive for you. Yes, you. Take an additional 10% off your order using promo code PODCAST. Plus, leave us a review. If you do so, you could be entered to win said t-shirt from PWSTs.com. From Chris Toplak and Corey Rivard. Happy trails to you until we meet again.